Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. Yay! We are continuing on today. In our study of the Gospel of Mark, I am really enjoying this. All I've got in front of me for our time today is my notebook and my NASB all marked up and ready to go. And we will dive into Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23 through Mark three thirty-five. right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. So, you're going to hear me say this many, many times. I am really excited about our study today. It, this has one of one of the most endearing interactions, I think, in the whole gospel narrative today is, we're going to talk about it in just a few minutes, and I hope that as we're only barely into the Gospel of Mark, I really hope that the Lord Jesus is taking on flesh for you. I'm hoping that as we're stepping through this study, just doing a really close read of what the Bible says, 
not trying to interject too much commentary, a few cross-references here and there, but not too much commentary, just going verse by verse, just reading through what the Word says. I really hope that you are just wanting to know more about who this Jesus Christ is, because that's really what it's all about, is getting into a relationship with Him and getting to know Him So in addition to our time here on the podcast, as we're walking through this passage, you can go over to rachelcarmen.com. There is a PDF downloadable study guide that you can do. You can print it off if you'd like. I admit I did not include the passage, and I'm not sure that that was the right thing to do or not. Um, But it is notable that I am basing my study and my reading off the NASB, the New American Standard Bible Translation, 1995, is the one that I'm using. So it does sort of make a difference from time to time when I key off particular words, especially the key word that we have talked about from the beginning, and that is the word immediately. So just to back up just a little bit, and I won't do this every time, but because I'm making this point about translations, Mark was written, John Mark is the author of the Gospel of Mark, but we know that it was actually the Apostle Peter who was dictating the story to John Mark. And so we see Peter's personality come out in the gospel itself as we read it. And one of the ways that we see that is the immediacy of Jesus's actions. And so the word immediately, at least in the New American, at least in the NASB, appears 42 times. So that's significant. If you see a word that many times in a book of the Bible, you ought to take notice. Why is it there so often? And I believe we see that word so often in the book of Mark because it's Peter. This is Peter, and Peter was rash and passionate, and what he wants us to see is this action-oriented son of God. He wants us to remember, to see, to embrace, to know that Jesus was on the move when he was here in his ministry. He was not passive. He was not sitting around waiting for people to come to him. He was on the move. He was going. He was meeting. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was healing. He was casting out demons. He was confronting religious leaders. He was on the move. That's that's the point of this gospel. And I think the the counterpoint is that you and I need to be on the move, right? If we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, if we're going to say we're walking in his steps, that we are carrying on his name as Christians, then we need to be on the move. We need to be action-oriented. We need to be going and telling and teaching and preaching and making disciples of all men. That's what we're called to do. And so we see that throughout the gospel. So just to to show you the different verbs that are associated with Jesus in our passage for today. Here are the ones that I listed. It's an interesting exercise if you want to do this for all of the different passages we're studying. Here's the ones that I listed from the NASB. Jesus was passing. He said he entered He said, he looked, he grieved, he saw, he withdrew, he told, he healed, he warned, he went, he summoned, he appointed, he came, he called, 
He was speaking, he was answering, he said, he was looking, and he said. I mean, do you see it? I mean, he wasn't just even just doing one thing. He was doing a variety of things. But this is Jesus on the move. And just again, to make the point, to reiterate, you and I ought to be on the move too. You and I ought to daily be about the business of the things of God. Now, having said that, As we're doing, carrying out our responsibilities as a mother, as a father, as a sister, as a daughter, as a brother, as a husband, wherever we are in your job, whatever that is, if it is delivering the mail, if it is doing seamstress work, is if it is delivering things to people's homes, whatever it is, wherever God has placed you, is your work for his glory. And as we do those things, we bring him glory. We need to be carrying the light that is within us that is him as we go into all of those different aspects. So moms, especially, I want you to hear that changing those diapers, wiping those runny noses, putting those band-aids on, tucking a, a child into bed, picking up those toys with your kids, making another peanut butter jelly sandwich. Those are actions in following in the footsteps of Christ. Doing those things are the things of God. And and that's how we honor him and follow him is doing those things as he would have them done. All right, picking up in Mark Chapter 2, verse 23, it says, As it happened, he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along by picking the heads of grain. So a couple of things that are really important for us to notice is Jesus is just going on with his life. He's just as he is going. And again, I think that is so important for you and I to remember that as we go, everything we do As we are following Christ, people are paying attention. If you claim the name of Christ, if you claim to be following him, if you claim he is your Lord and your master, you need to know, I need to remember, people are watching us and they're going to watch what we do. And sometimes they're going to be nitpicky. And we're going to see that here in just a second, that these people are watching him and his disciples. The second thing that is of note here is it is the Sabbath. So in the NASB, the Ten Commandments, it says this about the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. So according to that commandment, the religious leaders then had to define what did it look like to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so there were all of these laws that were made to try to explain what it meant to work on the Sabbath, what did it mean to rest on the Sabbath, what did it mean to keep the Sabbath. So they came up with all of these regulations and rules in an effort to define what it looked like to keep the Sabbath, how far you could walk, how heavy the burden you could lift, all of these details around what it looked like to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so those religious leaders that were very familiar with all of those rules and regulations are watching Jesus and his disciples and they are breaking one of those regulations by picking heads of grain. So see on the Sabbath, 
it was forbidden to do work. And the disciples picking the grains of wheat actually meant that they were participating in harvesting. I know, I get it. It's really, really super nitpicky. But these were the kinds of things that the religious leaders were really keyed in on and focusing on. And it says in verse 24 that the Pharisees were saying to Jesus, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So the religious leaders are basically saying, ha, we caught you. Your disciples are breaking the Sabbath rules. Okay. So now I want you to listen to how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are not wrong. The disciples are technically breaking a Sabbath day rule and regulation by participating in a harvest. Now, now I don't know if they had defined how many grains of wheat one would have to pick or harvest that would constitute work. I, I'm not familiar that, that that specific had been defined. But okay, they are picking grains of wheat. Fine. True. Listen to how Jesus responds. He says, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God at the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and he also gave it to those who were with him? Now, I'm not going to chase this story. This is in the Old Testament. It's on the PDF study guide. If you want to study that, and I would encourage you to do so, you can do that. But then Jesus goes on and he says this. Look, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is essentially saying to the Pharisees, guys, you got it backwards. You got it backwards. The Sabbath was made for man. This is for your benefit. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. That's the whole point is you're supposed to rest. That's what it's for your benefit to do that. It's not supposed to rule you. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. That's what Jesus said. That's his answer to the Pharisees. And then he concludes with this. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so Jesus declares that he's Lord even over the Sabbath. Wow. Now we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3, and this is that passage I alluded to earlier that I just love, and we are going to dive into this right after this break. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. 
Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Okay. Here we are in chapter 3, verse 1 of the Gospel of Mark, and it says, Jesus entered again into a synagogue. Um, the synagogues at that time and Jesus' time were like community centers for Jews specifically. So these are places that they gathered. This is where religious teaching took place. This is where the scrolls were unrolled and read from time to time. These were literally community centers of the time. This is where people gathered and this is where they talked to each other, caught up with each other, but also learned more and more about God and his word. And it says, Jesus entered into a synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered. Now, this is one of those phrases I think that we read over. There was a man there whose hand was withered. I don't know. It doesn't really give much more of an explanation than that. I am thinking in my own mind that the man there with the withered hand probably had the withered hand hidden. I don't think it was something he probably wanted a lot of people to see. It's probably not something a lot of people wanted to see or to be reminded of, right? I was just very recently at a public event and there was a young man who had a withered hand. And the interesting thing about seeing this young man with a withered hand, which, by the way, is kind of unusual in modern day to see someone like that. I knew I was going to be having this podcast recording and I was it struck me because I was just like, oh, wow, that's tough. That's hard because you could tell that it was a point of shame for this young man. It was a point of embarrassment. It was something that he really wished, it seemed, it seemed that he couldn't hide it because he needed to carry something. And so, but he was trying to carry it in such a way that the fewest number of people would notice possible. I mean, are you with me? I'm sure you've seen someone with some sort of a physical handicap of some kind that they're managing and because that's what they do, but they're trying, it seems, to manage in a way that it's not a big deal, right? They're, they've got it. They're good. And in my mind, that's how I see this man with a withered hand. I see him, and this is my imagination, but I see him, he's got his withered hand hidden, and he's got it under his cloak, perhaps, but Jesus knows He says, there's a man there with a withered hand, verse 2, and they were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Okay, so in the grain fields, they catch him doing work on the Sabbath, and they call him to account, you're breaking the Sabbath rules. Then the next thing, he's going into the synagogue, still the Sabbath, and they're still watching him, okay? So it wasn't enough that they caught him, his disciples, harvesting on the Sabbath, And he answered them, he responded to them, but now they're still watching him and they want to know, is he going to heal on the Sabbath? And it says, so that they might accuse him. Verse three, Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. Now, I don't know about you, but 
if I if I can only imagine if it were me and and so let's take let's change let's switch out the withered hand I want you to imagine for a moment whatever your point of shame is if it's a withered hand okay if it is a checkered past or a bad habit or a massive mistake or maybe it's a secret something or something that you don't think anybody knows about something maybe you thought you got away with something that is so far in your past you've tried to just bury it whatever it is here is Jesus saying get up and bring it to me bring get up and come forward with that thing whatever that thing is your arm your secret, your sin, your shame, get up, Jesus says, and come forward. I mean, I think it's important for us as we read these stories to try to understand the weight of the moment. I'm I'm thinking that the weight of this moment was significant. The tension was huge. You've got all of these people in the synagogue standing and watching, some more intently than others. The Pharisees clearly are watching him with the purpose of accusing him because they're that's what they do, right? And so they're, they've got their eyes on him. They want to know who this guy is. And so they're watching him. You've got the people, the crowds, the disciples are watching him too, not to accuse him, but to just understand him and what's really going on. And you've got this guy who, you know, I don't know about you, minding his own business, right? I'm minding my own business. I've got it. We're good. I'm not, nobody can do anything about my withered hand. I can just hear this guy's thoughts. Look, look, nobody can do anything. I'm dealing with it. I'm good. Please don't call me forward. Please, 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 please don't call me forward. Certainly not in front of everybody. I don't want to be the center of attention, please. And yet Jesus invites him, come forward. And Jesus said to them, so now the man is forward with his withered hand, still hidden. I don't know. Jesus says to them, the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill it? So right off the bat, here is this man with a vulnerable withered hand, shame, embarrassment, standing there in front of everybody and you've got to know all of the whisper and the happy talk has died down there is silence in the room now you've got this man that probably a lot of the people in the room knew him right they might have even known was he did he have this disfigurement from birth was it some sort of an accident probably a lot of people in the room knew right And here he is standing in the middle of the room. And look, this isn't the first time we're going to have this spotlight moment with Jesus. So that's another thing you can chase through the Gospels and see. There there are other moments like this. We've got the woman with the bleeding disorder. We've got the woman caught in adultery. We've got blind Bartimaeus. I mean, we've got other moments like this where you've got someone in the spotlight, center ring with Jesus And he is confronting the religious leaders. So he says to them, what? What? But it says in the second half of that verse, it says, but they kept silent. So Jesus confronts them, asks them a question. He knows that they're trying to trick him. He knows they're, they're trying to trap him. And so he just calls it out for what it is. And they don't have anything to say. 
Then in verse 5, it says, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. Wow. So that point of your shame, that point of your embarrassment, that point of your vulnerability, Jesus looks at this man and he says, stretch it out. Stretch it out. He invites this man to trust him with it. To trust him with it. To get it out from underneath his cloak. To stop hiding it. And to trust him with it. And the man stretched it out and his hand was restored. I wonder for you and me how many of our places of brokenness and embarrassment and shame would be healed and restored if we would just dare, we would just dare to trust them to Jesus. I wonder. I wonder how many of our disabilities we could leave actually in our past instead of trying to outrun them or bury them or deny them if we would just trust them to Jesus. Verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they would destroy Jesus. So I need, you need to get this straight. Jesus healed a man. He did good for this man. He dared this man to cooperate, to trust him with his infirmary, with his infirmary. This man dared to come forward, dared to stretch out his hand, and he received healing. And Jesus' critics decided to plot against him. And seven, then it says, Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples and a great multitude from all of the surrounding area followed him. And then it says, all the people heard what he was doing and came to him. So, Word about who Jesus was, what he was preaching, how he was confronting the Pharisees, the healings that he was doing, all of it was being told. People were coming because of what they were told. It says in 9 that he told his disciples that a boat should be standing ready for him because of the crowd. And so he gets into the boat. Verse 9 says that he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crowd him, for he had healed many, with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. It's interesting to note, we're going to see this more than once, that the demons knew who he was. They knew exactly who he was. And it says in 12, he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. Verse 13, it says he went up on a mountain and he summoned those who he himself wanted and they came to him and he appointed the 12 that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority over casting out demons. So this is the moment Jesus has invited several To follow him, right? Many have followed him. Crowds have followed him. Multitudes have followed him. They have witnessed both his teaching and his miracles. They have listened to parables about Jesus 
that he has told, how he has taught them. And now he's choosing the 12. And I want you to notice here it says there are three things that he expected them to do, that they would be with him, that he would send them out to preach, and that they would have authority to cast out demons. And then it says he appointed the 12. Jesus called them one by one, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. All of those are listed here. All of the 12 are listed here. And these were the 12 disciples. These were the ones that walked with him. Now, within the 12, we know that there becomes an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. And we'll see that later on as we go on. But right here, you just need to see that Jesus very specifically named 12 disciples, including the last one listed is Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So Jesus was not ignorant of who Judas was when he appointed him as one of the 12. And it is notable that as one of the disciples, as one of Jesus's disciples, he was with Jesus all the time. So Judas would have seen the miracles. He would have heard the teaching. He would have had every opportunity to get who Jesus was. And yet, we'll see how that plays out over the long haul. It says then, picking up in chapter 3, verse 20, it says, He came home and the crowds gathered again to such an extent that they would not even eat a meal. So we're going to see this a couple of times too. Mom, sometimes you feel like there's just so much going on that you don't even have time to eat. Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus and his disciples know what that's like. And we need to remember that he was tested and tried in all ways that you and I are. And sometimes we think, well, not every way. Well, yeah, every way. And so they were so pressed with requests and needs and even demands that they couldn't even get a bite to eat. And I remember those days when I just felt like all I would really like is just a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But sometimes that was hard to get. Well, sometimes it was hard for Jesus to get that too. Picking up in 21, it says, When his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of Jesus. So we have here in verse 20 through all the way down 35, we have Jesus' family, his mother and his brothers, And they are coming because of everything everybody's saying, right? Everybody is saying that he is doing these miracles. Everybody is saying that he is claiming to be God. I mean, there are a lot of things going on around Jesus. And there is the truth. And you and I know what it's like for things to be exaggerated beyond what is actually truth. The truth of who Jesus was as the Son of God and the miracles he was indeed performing, healing people, cleansing lepers, giving sight to the blind, all of that, all of that was real, right? That was all true. But we can also know that there were other things tacked on to all of that. And so his brothers and his mother come basically to say, look, what's going on and because he was in danger we just read about the fact that the religious leaders were wanting to destroy him and so i'm sure that word got out that jesus was in danger and so his family comes to take custody of him to help him to take him back home you know you've got to pull back a little bit here because you've got enemies and the 
people that are your enemies, this is a big deal. I mean, you don't want to be enemies with these people. And then I just want to skip down because time is getting away with us today. Make sure you go and read it. But I want to pick up in verse 31, and it says, His mother and his brothers arrived standing outside, and they sent word to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? He said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Look, you and I, as we seek and obey the will of God, we are the brothers and sisters of Christ. That needs to be our goal, that we would honor God in word and deed, that we would seek to trust and obey and do the will of God. Next time, we will pick up in chapter 4 with a parable, probably familiar for some of you, of the sower. I will see you then. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.